I've been calling it nunchucks since birth. <laughs> Literally, I'm embarrassed that I just discovered that on national TV right now. Is there any woman, like in her right mind, that desires a man to have a mullet? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We spoke with the legend, Pro Football Hall of Famer, NFL MVP and Super Bowl champion Steve Young yesterday. On topic, Zach Wilson, the state of college football realignment, and the race for the starting quarterback at BYU. Enjoy a memorable conversation with Steve Young. Steve, I want you to know that we recently spoke with the voice of Baylor Bears football, John Morris, and he said that the 83 and 84 games are two of his favorite memories. Of course, you didn't get to play in the 84 game. He brought up the 83 game and said it was one of the best that he'd ever seen. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, so what's an interview with Steve Young if we don't start it with something that has to do with 83 and Baylor? Uh, <laughs> it's just like, you know, you throw up in your mouth every time. You, know, like you guys just, you guys just have a way, right? It's like, well, let's let's talk about the Cowboy 49 or 1992 championship game. <laughs> while we're at, right? Why don't we? Why, why don't we talk about the Buccaneers Bears in 1986? That was a fun one. When Jimmy Jimmy Ray walked in, my offensive coordinator walked in before we were went out. We were already warmed up, got back in for the you know Lord's Prayer and kind of right before the game, you know, like literally before uh, kickoff. He walks up to me and he says, hey, uh, you, you got to be careful out there. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I guess. What do you, he goes, no, no, I mean, like, you can, you could get really hurt. Like, watch out. You know, I'm, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? That? Is, in, that, is in, that is inspiring. I don't, I'm really, I can, I'm so fired up. And he's like, these guys are like, you remember the 86 Bears, right? <clears throat> that defense was you know until the eagles showed up in 91 and until the ravens showed up in 2000 i mean that was it and you could get killed because people are flying around you no one the offensive line didn't know where guys were coming from dave Duerson was coming out of nowhere and gary fensick from left field and you know and uh and so you know it was just funny like be careful out there you could you could really get hurt you know like okay i can't wait yeah i'll go up in a fetal position and just shut it down but anyway we're 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 off we're off we're off track already I'm pretty sure these same words might be spoken to Zach Wilson this year, but we'll see. Do you, what, what do you think of his situation with the Jets? And, Steve, uh, as of right now, Zach hasn't signed his contract. He's the last player to report, apparently. Any, any concern with that, of, of finalizing that? And you've been in that situation with contracts, and you've got to report or not, and you've got to get what you need right within the team context. How do you feel about that situation right now? I'm a little discouraged by it because the Jets, look, this is a, some people just on principle will not uh, deal with uh, the catch up on rookie contract. Rookie contracts are basically set, right? And except for um, uh, netting out if you, if they let you go or, and they, and they waived it for Trevor Lawrence and they've waived it for others before other teams. And the Jets at number two, you should wave it and move on. And it's odd that they're not. And it's odd that they're so, you know, it's kind of like a sign that the team is confused about its commitments. And I know some people just have to, you know, they rest on principle. And Joe Ellis, and this might be a principle thing to Joe Ellis, like, look, we're just not, we don't do that. 
that's fine, but look where you are and look what you're saying. And I don't think Zach is unreasonable in trying to get this thing worked out because it feels like a it feels like a fair thing to do and um, discourage that they can't figure it out. It's, I, I don't want to say it's just jet like because that's cheap, but I just did. So, you know, you know, off we go. What are you what are you referring to when you say wave something? Uh, I'm referring to the, you know, how you can, you, you, they can, you know, the guaranteed money is not fully guaranteed, right? And in case they wait, you know, they get rid of you or you have to go or injury. I mean, there's just ways to say, look, that money that's said it's guaranteed, you want it fully guaranteed. And um seems like to me, if I was in that spot, that's what I would want. I would say, look, you pick me number two and, you know, the, the basic contract for the rookies is X. But a lot of the highest guys get, you know, why I, I want why. And it's uh, there's precedent, a lot of precedent for it. And it seems like the right thing to do. Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. From what you have heard and seen about Zach Wilson in New York, as far as his mini camps went and what his coaches are saying, what do you are your expectations higher for him? Have they been maintained? Are they dipping? What do you think? Uh, I. You know, uh, you know my tra- my my really good friend Greg Knapp passed away in a tragic bicycle accident yeah. a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and um, uh, I've been. I mean, we. I don't want to. Uh, we need to take a minute and just say that that relationship was burgeoning. It was a really good relationship. It was one of the main things that Mike Wilson, his dad, felt comfortable about Zach going to New York and. Not that that's going to go away now, but it's really unfortunate because if I, and I told Mike this myself, if I had a son that was playing in the NFL um, and, you know, I would want my son to be coached by Greg Knapp. And so that was a really, it was a huge positive. Not that they can't find another coach and, you know, things move on, but people need to recognize that that was a relationship that would already in the last four or five months Greg has coached Michael Vick and Peyton Manning and, and Matt Schaub and myself and, you know, and he's been around a long time. He's just a great human. Like you, a lot of coaches, the, you, a lot of coaches coach with a big stick and they just beat people over the head with, with it. And that's how they get things done. Greg just, you know, he's not only going to get the best out of you as a quarterback because he understands the position, but he's also going to kind of create a better human, which is very unusual for football coaches. Usually that's not part of the plan. And so that's a, that's a, uh, it's a bummer for Zach. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've had a tough time getting over this one with 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 Napper because it's just so tragically not you know it's just being run over on a, on the side of a road by on a bike it's just too much by someone who's texting you know it's oh. just too much to take. But uh, back to the Jets, um, I think that what Greg you know he and I had spoken multiple times this summer about what Zach was doing and he was so in love with Zach's love of the data you know how many times we've talked about that before where uh guys that are gonna be really good like tom brady and peyton manning and aaron Rodgers and drew Brees, and just go down the go down the russell wilson they're great because of that not because it's physical they're great physically but they're great mentally they love the data and they memorize and they spend the time and uh where greg has said in the past guys that didn't want to didn't ever get the full measure of who they could have been and i agree with that a thousand percent that's how you get the full measure of who you are as a quarterback is to dive into the data. And the fact that uh, Zach was a data kind of geek 
in what he was, and that's what Greg was taking on saying all summer, but you know, before this tragedy was just how much he was excited to coach him because he loves the day. Like he loves to sit in there and just grind it out and sit in the dark room and memorize and go through it all. And that's, that's a great sign for success in the NFL. Uh, it's not everything, but it's a great sign. Sorry for the long answer, but I just needed to give a minute for Greg Knapp and, and, what he meant to me and what he really, I think, would have meant to Zach. No, I'm glad you did because yeah. we were going to ask you about that anyway. And so uh, it's fitting that you went there. And it is a tragedy. And you have to wonder, how does a team and an offense specifically recover from something like that? How much of a setback will that be, not just mentally, but when they actually start playing games? I think the biggest challenge is for the quarterback room because that's Greg was the quarterback coach. He wasn't the offensive coordinator. And so those guys, those are new new coaches. Uh, coach Lafleur is new as offensive coordinator. Coach Sal is new for the head coach. So Greg being there and having been around the league a long time was going to be a nice um, ballast, I think, for for the team in general. So they'll lose that. But I think more than anything, it's the quarterback room that um, is going to have to change dramatically because you lose that seniority, that sense of you know when Greg can talk about coaching me or coaching Michael Vick or coaching Peyton Manning, you know, there's things that young quarterbacks will be like, Oh, you know, I might, I might want to listen to that. And uh, so you, you do lose that and how you get over it. You, you make a great hire, but at, you know, in August, what is the great hire? You know, that's a really tough spot. So that's why I say it's, it's a tragedy all the way around. There's, there's actually no good news anywhere that I can think of. Yeah, no doubt. And thank you for uh, sharing your feelings about Greg. Absolutely. So, Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. That's going to mess with the Big 12. Who knows if they're going to stay together and add teams. Uh, How do you feel about BYU's place in college football right now? And Maybe there's an opportunity for a Power 5. Who knows? Well, I I, I pause because that that creates a tremendous amount of complexity throughout college football. It's making a Power 5 now a Power 1, like it or not. And now does the power one say, you know what, let's just drive it into the ground and let's take the last two or three marquee names and put them in the SEC. And then that's the, it's the power one. And then everybody else gets uh, the scraps that fall off the table. And that includes the big 10, big 12, PAC 12, ACC. I mean, that's kind of what that's, you know, my, my mind is okay. SEC what's next. Is that it? Are you good for just for, disrupting now completely the idea of of a power five uh, uh uh situation i mean it's just where do you where does the big 12 go from here with eight teams uh the marquee guys gone do they go desperately try to find cincinnati and you know kind of geographically cincinnati byu houston and what does that really do because in the end it's all dollars right can you drive some dollars uh, back into the Big 12 because you add these teams as a create the ballast that you want to try to make sure that everybody floats. Then it leaves the Pac-12 trying to figure out, look, we're good, but are you really good? And um, so I wish that I'm, I've, been, I've been trying to sneak around with ESPN and whoever I can talk to to try to figure out this out over the last year or two to prepare for something like this. But I didn't see this one, you know, I just didn't think the SEC would do that not that it's a bad thing to college football, but man, it is disruptive. And where does it end up? Inevitably, it ends up with the SEC being the dominant force in, in college football. And is that what we want? It's one conference that kind of dominates everything and everybody else just hanging around. I don't know that nationally that really works. Or can we get the Big 12, Pac-12, and uh, and Big 10 
kind of playing marquee football again. And that's how you force it, right? Is we're in the national championship games and we can, we're dictating terms and we can go recruit and, you know, Penn state and Ohio state and Michigan, and we can get down to the, you know, those big games at USC and Oregon. I mean, that's where things have waned. And I think that Texas and, uh, and uh, Oklahoma kind of saw the writing on the wall and said, look, let's just go make sure that we're good forever. And going to the SEC feels like they're making sure that they're good forever. And everybody else is now not sure that they're good forever. And no question, there is a tier one status for the SEC. And they had that probably before Texas and Oklahoma were in it, but now it's Yeah, but this is different, right? Yeah. This is different. Yes, absolutely. So with these tier two and now tier three power five conferences, if we want to call them that, like the Big 12, who now is at the bottom of the pile, is BYU a good fit? Could they stabilize things? I mean, if if you are talking to Tom Homo, what do you say? yeah, for me, it's a no-brainer. Like with the with BYU TV and with with our our, our uh, traveling uh, uh, horde that jump, goes to every game. I horde's not the right word, but traveling uh, now circus is not the right game. The traveling it's a road, posse. It's a road show, Steve. It's a road show. The posse, Steve. It's a posse, right? Like we have the posse, <laughs> but we do have it. But we have it, and I don't think it's true. I don't think it's truly understood. I think BYU is misunderstood in many places. And BYU has changed significantly in important ways to make it even more um, attractive over the last five to ten years. And I think that getting new new eyes on BYU will be positive and good. And I hope those eyes get uh, get on quickly. Um, I think that we all recognize that being part of a big you know, at this point, even though they're the tiers are being set up. Uh, being part of a Power Five conference long into the future will be good for BYU. Being an independent, Notre Dame has pulled it off because of their, I think, you know, historical power that they can kind of de- demand. We, we we feel, you know, it feels like year to year, even you know, <laughs> even season to season. Like how's how's this going? Well, so far so good. You know, we take a temperature every few weeks. Um, that's probably no way to live long term, but that's where we are, and we can. We've shown that we can, and I give. Great credit to Tom and, and the athletic department and President Worthen and BYU just trying to continue to do this. But where does BYU land? I think that maybe the best new, news is that this situation with Texas and, and Oklahoma will force more penetrating eyes on BYU, and I think that's a good thing. I think the more you look into BYU, the more you look at what BYU offers, the better you will like BYU. And uh, that's not without challenges. It's not without complications. Um, but, I, but I'm hoping that's what happens over the next little bit here. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Let's ask you about the quarterback race for BYU. Three quarterbacks are going to duke it out for the starting position. You were in several of these at BYU yourself, not to mention famously with Joe Montana, of course. Um, what's it like for these three guys in fall camp to have a couple of weeks to show what they can do and hopefully be the guy? And do you have a guy you think would be the best fit? Well, Jalen's got the got the record, and you know he's been on the field more, and and got the you know the history and the time in, uh, in the locker room. I mean, there's a comfort level around someone that's been around longer, but that doesn't necessarily make the. And I leave it to the coaches to try to figure out exactly all about all, because that's a calculus, right? This move right here is is uh, and I, and we've shown honestly in the past that we can be athletic about it, and we can we can make a decision and be wrong and kind of move forward. And we've, I think Kalani's done a good job of kind of demanding that from the team that look, you know, we, we, we're going to change. 
let's move on. Let's go. And so I think we have some uh, kind of scar tissue from that in the past that uh, allows the locker room to be tougher and, and, and can withstand some of this. Uh, it's always great when you pick a guy and it's great and it works out perfect. Um, uh, I just, for me, fundamentally, because we got three great options, these are good problems to have. The biggest issue is that we don't change what we're doing offensively. A Rod, not a, we don't we the, the, the we're on the gas right. We're BYU. We're you know we might get beat 45, 40, 46, 45 by Baylor on opening day by some <laughs> weird, strange confluence of magic that goes against you that's not fair and doesn't seem right. And we probably should go back and revisit some kind of illegalities, but uh, we won't go there right now. Um, <laughs> but. But we are, that's who we are. That's what we're doing. That's what we're, that's what we've gotten over the last couple of years. And that's what the nation expects of us. That's what we expect from ourselves. And so do not, under any circumstances, say we have a new quarterback and we're going to try to win 17 14 or, you know, 12 11, 12 11 or something like that. Would might scratch my eyeballs out on that one. Uh, I might even make a couple calls on that one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but if we, but if we can just maintain, and, and you know, there might be growing pains. There might be some struggles. Fine. But we have set in stone what we're doing offensively and how aggressive we are throwing the football first. We're going to follow in with some great running. We get that point, but that's who we are. That's what we're going to do. And we pick our quarterback, and, and that quarterback is going to fit into that philosophy. That's Just tell me that's true. Spence, tell me that, Jalen. Uh, Tell me that's true for whoever it is, and I'm going to be good. It is true. It, it, it is. It is true, Steve. And, and you just you just described a Big Twelve football game, by the way, right? That's they just right, right. forty to forty. Who, who and, that yeah, in, exactly. In 1980, you said that's going to be Big Twelve football. You're like, mm, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, when Nebraska's running the option, no, it's changed, right? Yeah, it's it's changed. Quite All right. Okay, uh, I do want to ask you one more thing, and this is about the nine game losing streak to Utah. And I've been saying it on the show for for a number of months. Is the key for BYU to win that game having a game manager like Baylor Romney who doesn't turn the ball over? Because it's been devastating turnovers that have been the undoing for BYU more often than not. These pick sixes, fumble recoveries for touchdowns. Would, would a guy like Baylor Romney be a good option for BYU as a game manager to potentially end that streak? Okay. <laughs> We're going to make our quarterback choice on how we've historically played Utah. All right. That doesn't, <laughs> the thirst is real, I mean, I love, Steve. I know, I, look, I know the myopic, the myopic uh, 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 focus on my, on Utah, and that's great. It's like your, your your big brother or little brother or whatever brother we are right now with those guys. Equal brothers. Brother. You, no, uh, yeah, no, no, whatever no, no, it is. no, no, no. Uh, I think it kind of changes in over time, but uh, you know, I get the emotion around it. Yeah. And uh, but if that's if it's it, my point is, if it's going to be true for it has to be true for everybody, but it can be true for Utah. And so I, I don't think that we want to make our decision on how we can look back on where we've gone wrong on Utah. There's no question. We want a quarterback that's not going to be throwing the ball around and causing all kinds of grief. You can't be in throwing. You can't turn the ball over three or four times in a pro game or college game and think you're going to win. So um, that goes without saying, uh, but, but picking, I don't mind saying, look, who gives us the best chance to be Utah as a, as a, you know, kind of checklist for how we pick this quarterback, because I think that's going to lead us in the right place, but I don't want to just myopically look at, because I <laughs> look the Utah, it has been painful. And I never thought that we'd be in a spot. I thought 
I mean, Utah's been in that spot. What was the most times we've nine beaten in a row? Utah in a row? Nine, nine in a row. So we're there. I thought it was 19 for a minute. I, I'm, I <laughs> felt like 19. But it just felt like it there for a little while. I'm just kidding because I know we're getting pounded right now. But look, I, I, you know, we, we need to end it, but then we need to end it because we're a really good football team. So um, I think we've had better teams recently and just can't get it over the hump. I think it's, I think it's for us, I would rather play them later. You know, I don't know why I just, I, I don't, I don't like seeing them that early, but you know, so what we're independent. We got to do it up 20 to nothing at half in uh, 2018 was the time we thought it was going to end and it did not, but I don't care how it ends. I just want it to end. That's a fair question, but Steve, that was a great answer. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's always one of our favorite days, and I speak collectively for Jeremy and myself when uh, we get to have you on the program. You're a class act. We certainly appreciated your comments on uh, Coach Knapp and uh, the Napper effect on Zach Wilson as well. Yeah, you guys are the best. And this is a, this is a hairy time for college football with the announcement this week, and it really begs the question of what is college football look like in the future and who, who are the winners and losers. And, and if there's, if there's only 15 winners or 20 winners, you know, what, what, what does football look like? So this is a conversation we've got to keep having because it's, and now we're going to pay our, you know, our, our athletes and recruiting. And I've just talked to an agent, uh, my agent for a long time, Dave Dunn, and just talking about the college situation where, well, what, how do we, how do we manage this, player likeness, getting money for the you know, local bank, the local car dealer, the, you know, the local law firm, the local whatever that wants to put a bunch of money into a pot and give it to a freshman to try to recruit them. It's, it's, things are changing quickly. So hold on to your hats. Uh, just so you know, as we finish up, I want you to be there in Waco on October 16th when BYU beats Baylor, okay, so we can exercise some demons. I don't know if those demons will ever be. They're just part of life now. They're like they're just. It's like you're like when you're running and you got a little thing in your foot, like a little rock, and it's like I can I can still run, but it still hurts a little bit. You know, it's like I I would love to think that we could exercise that. Maybe I should just to see if it can happen. But you know, last. Uh, getting on with you guys and talking about it every time does make it more painful. I, will say I, appreciate <laughs> I apologize for what that. I could. I tell Robbie Bosco what I could have been, you know, why, why hasn't Steve been on the show recently? We keep bringing up 83 Baylor. He doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> Baylor, man. You be humble. It's awesome. Oh, Steve. Great to talk you with you. Great. Take care. Be right. safe. We'll see you soon. All right. Go cook. See ya. The great Steve Young with us, Silver Zoom. He is always entertaining and so insightful. He is the best. Like He's, he's a legendary interview and player yes. and everything. Great insight. And we learned some news uh, during that interview. Some breaking basketball news. Super, super exciting. Yes. Okay. So uh, from at NotoriousOHM on Twitter, we learned that uh, Yoli Childs. Laker Clipper report. Yes. Yep. Yoli Childs will compete with the L.A. Lakers nice. in the Las Vegas NBA Summer League. I'm a Lakers fan, but I'm a Yoli Childs fan. And what uh, Summer League team you play on doesn't necessarily matter. In fact, to what, try out for every NBA team. Taysom Hill played with the Packers in uh, preseason. Remember that? Yep. It, do- it doesn't matter. Um, so hopefully Yoli gets a good look, and uh, he can high-five LeBron James going down the floor, <laughs> and it'll be awesome, man. Good for Yoli. Yeah. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 
We use our nunchuck skills here to form the best of the rest Big 12 Conference. Jerem. Time's running out. Who's in it? Okay, uh, I'm assuming Kansas and Iowa State are going to get poached by the Big Ten in my projection. Why would the Big Ten poach Kansas football? They're not. They're getting Kansas basketball. Okay, uh, here's I put them in two divisions. I don't actually care about these divisions, so I'll just read the teams. Okay, in the north. BYU, Boise State, mm-hmm. West Virginia, Cincinnati, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. So I've added BYU, Boise State, and Cincinnati. Okay. okay? In the south. Texas Tech, Houston, UCF, USF. Ooh. Just travel partner there, I think. Okay. Baylor, TCU. So, new additions, Houston, UCF, USF. I have not included Memphis or San Diego State or, like, a UNLV way out west. If this uh, group got to 14 teams, you could add a Memphis, right? But if you went way west, you'd have to add probably two um, if, you, um, you know, if you included, like, a San Diego State. No, three right. in the way, da-da-da. But I think those uh, would be interesting. Now, if Kansas and Iowa State stay, then it gets a little tricky. Maybe you're not including UCF and USF. We'll see. Okay. and so I would like Boise State to be involved with BYU. I have Kansas and Iowa State staying in my proposed conference, but West Virginia leaving to the ACC. I think that makes a lot of sense. I never felt the Big 12 was a good fit for West Virginia. They're just out there. Like they should That's be West playing Virginia Pittsburgh. in the nutshell, bro. Okay. So the, the North and South divisions. I've got BYU and Boise State just like you. Cincinnati. Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State. I keep the Kansas-Kansas State rivalry alive in the mm-hmm. North Division. In the South Division, Oklahoma State, and then four Texas schools. Baylor, TCU, Houston, Texas Tech, and UCF. So I have seven of the current eight teams that are remaining in the Big 12, only losing West Virginia to the ACC, and then bring in BYU and Boise State, which... Let's face it, right now, they're the two hottest tickets in the Mountain Time Zone. Okay, right? Yes. No question. No question. And then from the American, you bring in Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. And I know that— Memphis might—like, Memphis is barely out, I think, for both of us. Right, yeah, just out Memphis. Memphis should be considered. they got a tremendous basketball and football program. They have a solid athletic department. Yeah, Absolutely. So this would be a lot of fun. I mean, I, when I was looking at that conference, I was like, oh, I, I like the balance of that. There would be some incredible matchups. Boise State obviously brings a fantastic brand of football. BYU top to bottom. The athletic department is super solid. And I love Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. And, and I know you talked about travel partners. I just – I'm over it now. When you can charter jets – Well, that – Florida to Texas is two hours? Whatever. Yeah. Well, I think you're thinking about football. Like, when you play uh, uh, Thursday, Saturday, women's hoops, whatever, it gets a little more complicated, right? And uh, when you're doing uh, women's soccer as well, the, maybe the league has men's soccer too and BYU just doesn't have it or whatever. There's other sports in the travel partner conversation, most notably men and women's basketball. Maybe the ACC adds UCF and West Virginia. Right, Perhaps, that yeah. could, that could happen, and yes. then there's room for a Memphis to hop in into the Big Twelve. Yes, and and part of me wonders if this will even be the Big Twelve, like if the Big Twelve still exists and has the majority, and they keep that existing thing. They still have a TV deal. They still have the guy. That's that's ideal. We'll see what happens. Like maybe just crap gets blown up, yeah. uh, and all of a sudden you're trying to figure out who's going into what league. This would be the fourth or fifth best league. You can make an argument. Obviously, it'd be at least fifth. That's better than the American. Okay, absolutely. You could make an argument against the Pac-12 a little bit as well, but you would need a couple of these teams to be at a high level, like Oregon is perceived. USC doesn't actually do it that 
often, but they are perceived as super high, right? Washington's been in the playoff five years ago. So probably the Pac-12 would be perceived as better than that league. I'm not sure they would actually be better than that league. Well, just think about last year. I think in hoops, that's an excellent league. BYU, Cincinnati, Iowa State, all top 15 teams from last year. Yeah. Just one year ago. And if we look at like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like last year's weird. I don't really take last year for a ton of stuff. Okay. Um, but like the last five years. How about the yeah. basketball side of this, though? Uh, yeah, I just said I think it's yes. amazing. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Imagine BYU yeah. playing Kansas and Baylor and Houston. Every Baylor year. won the Natty last year. Don't forget, they beat Gonzaga. Yes. Like, yeah, they beat Gonzaga. Cincinnati, really good basketball program still. Um, it'd be awesome. Texas Tech, outstanding basketball program. Yep, Final Fours. Like two in the last, what, five or six Oklahoma years? Oklahoma State. <laughs> Incredible. So, yeah, I really like it. I, TJ Haas, uh, buzzer beater at Houston again. Let's go. All right. Okay, weigh in. We'll try and get to these if we have time. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Top 5 Tuesday, also an extraordinary thing, and we present that to you, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. It is the Gunnar Romney edition today. Go. BYU's best receiver ever between the twos. Oh, tops in the country right now. He was the Todd Watkins of yeah, number 5. 18-yard touchdown reception against Utah State. This is Gunnar's first touchdown, I believe. This is also Zach Wilson's first touchdown. This is 2018. The game's over. BYU's handing the reins over to Zach Wilson after this game. 13 catches in 2018 for Gunner, and then he doubled that in 2019, and he tripled his catches in 2020. So could he possibly, possibly do it again? Could he double his catches in 2020? Quadruple it? Number four. This is the story of Gunner's 2020 season. Okay. And what uh, coined the best receiver between the two-yard line. Uh, epic catches just short of the end zone. Although that one should have counted as a touchdown. I thought he, yeah, he should have been in. Okay, against Troy, September 26th, that set up a Zach Wilson rushing touchdown on a 48-7 win. Oh, another touchdown for Zach. Gunner had 138 he yards. He won Gunner. Come on. Career high for a single game in receiving yards. Has two other games in the 130s as well. Give him the touchdown. Good Come grief. On. Golly gee. Number three. 45-yard touchdown against Navy. This is a screen pass. This is the worst tackling you will ever see in your entire life. Luckily, these guys are way better at their jobs than football. Oh, okay? overrun because, by the safety. Because Gunner should not score what a touchdown there. What are you doing, there. Navy safety? Uh, we didn't practice tackling part of this. Kenny, I love you, but this was bad. Okay, the whiff. The whiff. <laughs> the whiff. No. No. Uh, listen, Gunner is awesome. He should not have scored on this play. Look how slow and out of shape Navy's players look right here. We've only been practicing for four days. That's your fault. Credit Gunner. Did his thing. Number two. All the way back to 2019. (laughs) Remember this against USC. Fourth quarter, six minutes to go. BYU's trailing 24-20. 35 yards from Zach Wilson, and he hangs on. We were all kind of scared when he caught this pass because he got taken out of the knees. I thought he destroyed his knees, dude. BYU's leading receiver in that game, Gunnar Romney, three catches, 54 yards, none bigger than this. And uh, how about that scramble by Zach Wilson to set it up? Honestly, Gunnar scores a touchdown there if Zach sees him sooner, but Zach has to dance around the pocket. This, to me, was Zach Wilson's finest performance until what we saw his junior year. I mean, this was an incredible situation here. It was awesome. Okay, number one, the top play from Gunnar Romney so far. 
38-yard diving catch against Western Kentucky. First off, throws on the money, and the catch is on the money. Oh! Gunner inside the five. What a grab from him. Four for 59 in this game. Again, short of the end zone. But this, the throw and catch, I mean, Gunner was fantastic. He, I think if Gunner was healthy, he and Dax Milne would have duked it out for top receiver in terms of yards and, and catches and everything. Uh, Gunnar Romney, best receiver between the twos, maybe in BYU history. He's got two touchdowns in each of his first three seasons, okay? I guarantee more. he triples that. More. He'll have at least six, if not 12, okay? So Gunnar Romney specifically has been working on his physicality. We know he's got the hands. We know he's got the precision route running. His ability to make a downfield play is awesome, but he's working on his physicality off the line to create more space. That's what he's been working on this Well, up. yeah, because you're going to have seven power fives now. So you're going to have corners that will jam you at the line significantly more than what you saw last year. Also, having uh, two Nakua brothers and Isaac Rex and Neil Powell will help open up Gunnar Romney as well. Don't you dare leave out Talon Holker. <laughs> I apologize, Talon. <laughs> Gross oversight on my. I am very excited. (laughs) This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We have a lot to cover, not a lot of time to talk about it. We're going to try and fit it all in. Yesterday was madness, Jerem. So, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty in a moment. I'll begin with this question. Did yesterday's college football, I'm calling it chaos because that's what it felt like to me, increase or decrease BYU's position and chances for eventual and hopeful Power 5 inclusion? Feels like it helped it, um, hopefully. But maybe not. I'm not exactly sure. Here's the reason I think it helped. BYU already didn't get into the Big 12 in 2016. Unless the Big 12 is way more desperate, which, yes, they're going to become more desperate. Will BYU be included? That is the question. Will BYU be included? I don't know the answer to that. I really hope so. Because we saw some crazy stuff yesterday. So we mentioned the cease and desist <laughs> from um, the Big 12 to ESPN. I don't know why I laugh can, when I hear that, but that's you, just crazy. That'd be like the BYU football team doing a cease and desist to BYU TV. Yes. Like, I, what? We have a TV deal and we work together a little different because cease we're under the— Cease and desist. Uh, like, there's no more bold phrase than that in legalese, right? Okay, Dennis Dodd, Big 12 uh, – Big 12 now believes the Americans attempting to take all eight remaining members. Earlier reports that three to five Big 12 members were being solicited by uh, Bob Bowlesby, uh, told CBS Sports. Sorry. Solicited. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike Oresco. Oh, Mike. He wants to be that next power conference. Who knows? Multiple sources confirmed the athletic. This is Stuart Mandel. The AAC has attempted to engage with three to five Big 12 members. Okay. Stuart Mandel, ESPN statement on the Big 12 cease and desist letter. The claims in the letter have no merit. This would kind of be like you or I having a conversation with someone about something, not our boss. Does that make sense? Yep. We're like someone from ESPN may have talked to them. Absolutely. But were they high level enough? Yes. Um, you and I not high level enough. Uh, Bob Bowlesby told The Athletic, this collaboration between and among ESPN and conferences to undermine the Big 12 is a torturous interference with our business. Whoa. This is wild, uh, especially for a partner that's owes you a bill over the next four. Max Olson. Bullsby, it's not unrelated to OU Texas because if the conference ceases to exist, they have the best chance to join the SEC more quickly. And? And they have the best chance to get out of their obligation for the grant of rights and exit fees. It's clearly them doing things that are disadvantageous to our business, and I have absolute certainty that what I'm saying is factual. Translation, they don't want to pay the money, do the Big 12. Those eight. 
to those eight. Yeah. Which, by the way, if it's just those eight, they get more of the money. Oh. Like, if Texas and Oklahoma leave, obviously that, that bill divided by eight is different than that bill divided by ten. That makes sense. Uh, I didn't take a math class at BYU, but that checks out. I don't know if this helps BYU per se. I think it doesn't hurt it. I think it helps it maybe a little bit because there's more openings and an actual need to add. So in that regard, yes. In 2016, they uh, just wanted more money out of that process and didn't actually intend to add anyone, it would seem. This time, they need more members. So are they going to include BYU in that this time? Okay, after everything that you just read... And again, Bob Bowlesby claims he has hard evidence. A.K.A. texts, emails, he can prove or it in court. Audio. He can prove it in court yeah, that there that was means. tampering there. The Big Twelve athletic directors will meet tomorrow again. That also per Dennis Dodd. So stand by for. I more assume they're fallout. meeting like every day. I just <laughs> are they on the assumption? phone twenty four seven right it's now? A Zoom, but kind yeah. of feels like that. Yeah. Uh, where's Tom Homo, by the way? <laughs> uh, are there any planes going out of Provo? <laughs> where's our airplane and airport tracker? Oh, someone will do that. The private jets yep. that are leaving to go to Big 12 country, maybe to Bob Bowlesby's house. Listen. I went to Dallas last week to try and figure this out. I did not. We're still looking for the second gummit on the grassy knoll and the Big 12 mystery, right? Both of those. Oh, they're huge mysteries. One of those is more of a priority. I liked it just from the surface. When I first thought about 20 teams in the American Athletic Conference, or is it 22? I thought, okay, that, that could be kind of That'd fun. And it's, it's an aptly named conference, the American, because there are 22 teams, and it's like two-thirds of the country. Crazy. Okay? It sounded kind of fun, but I understand why Bob Bowlesby is like, no, 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 ESPN, stay out of this. I don't want all of these members to go to the American because – uh, then Bob's out of a job, and the Big 12 loses their autonomy as a Power 5 conference. As long as they stay intact, at least through 2025, they're going to have the inclusion and the autonomy of being a Power 5 conference. They want to stay alive. So of course. Bob Bowlesby's not opposed to a few American teams joining the Big 12, but he's not about to say, yeah, let's dissolve the Big 12 and all the rest of the teams go to the American because – then where is he? And where are all the higher-ups in the Big 12? Where's their autonomy? Where's guaranteed. the money? There's yes. a contract that's yes. guaranteed through the 2024 season. Correct. It goes into the spring of 2025. That's, that's the situation. A billion distributed among its members. How many ever there are. You can understand why Bowlesby and his higher-ups feel so much desperation in this and that they're willing to. Yeah. Throw out the dirty laundry. Open up the closet doors. Reveal the it's not skeletons. Their dirty laundry. Sure. It's yes, other people. Yeah, they're yeah. they're willing to throw anyone and everyone under the bus to stay alive. So yes, are they not going to have an ESPN deal later, or are they going to resolve teams? Thanks, because a cease and desist. Maybe it's with Fox Sports. Is pre- yes, but let's be honest. Doing a deal with Fox Sports isn't going to get you as much money, probably. And or you'll have lower ratings. It's just sure. ESPN2 is in every whatever in the country. Bar, Applebee's, whatever. You know what isn't every time per se? Fox Sports. FS1. Okay? And, and when you look at ratings, like B, the reason BYU's ratings are better than a lot of other teams at, you know, at that level, mid-level, power five and down, it's because BYU is on ESPN. It, it, it's great to be with the worldwide leader. Yet in all of this, Spencer, I wonder... Does it hurt BYU? What are ESPN's interests in all of this as it pertains to Brigham Young University? 
because obviously there's a contract there. Yet, I hope that ESPN can help get BYU into a league. How much does BYU have to help help itself versus obviously ESPN is the most powerful broker in college football. It's not. That's why Bob Bolton is going even the after SEC. ESPN. It's ESPN. So I hope and pray that ESPN will help get BYU into a power league, whatever that means. Maybe they can't. But because but ESPN, I hope they help. But because ESPN upset the Big Twelve, does that now because BYU has significant ties with ESPN, does that somehow hinder BYU's? Maneuvering into the Big Twelve, I, and I think that can be resolved. Just right now, it feels a little weird. You're right. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's awkward. You and can, I'm with you. You can it's, resolve that. It's reactionary. There's time. There's time to yes. rebuild that bridge. And my fear in this whole thing is that BYU doesn't get in. That's you and every BYU be- fan because, across the world. Yes, because if not, then what? What's the point? Because BYU does not want to compete in a secondary situation. I'm not saying BYU's wanting to compete for the national championship. BYU does and wants to. That's unrealistic. BYU needs to be in, in a power league, whether it's the Big 12 or a newly formed league, so that it can maximize the money it can make, and that will sustain your league, uh, your, your team, your program. Being an independent forever is not going to work for BYU football. To uh, answer the question, Jeremy and I are both in agreement, the more chaos it feels like the better for BYU's positioning and chance to get into a Power 5. You want you want the Big 12 to be desperate and need to add. That's the hope. Okay, so if and indeed it does happen. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. We continue our lead up to BYU football camp with our opponent previews. And today we focus in on in-state rival Utah State, whom the Cougars will face on October 1st. To preview the Aggies, we are joined by the co-host of the Hanson Scotty G Show on the Zone Sports Network and the play-by-play voice of the Utah State Aggies, Scott Gerard. Scotty, nice to have you back on the show. How are you? My two favorite dudes on the planet, gentlemen, always good to catch up. How are you? I don't even care if you're telling the truth. I like it. That's great. <laughs> you went to a Guster concert in Colorado over the weekend. I, I love that. We both like Guster. We've gone to Guster together. That's awesome. Yeah, a huge fan. Uh, and uh, they were at Red Rocks, so I'm coming to you Woo! live from Denver. But uh, but uh, seeing Guster at Red Rocks is something I couldn't pass up. So my wife and I did a quick flight over here, and uh, it was worth the rainstorm, it was worth the bad weather, but it was uh, it was awesome. Loved it. Hardworking man, but you got to fit in a concert or two, that's for sure. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're running out of days for vacationing in the summer because college football is right around the corner, and you have a new era of Utah State football beginning under a new head coach, Blake Anderson. So what do you know at this point about the new Utah State coaching staff and the impression that they have given you? All energy, all excitement. It's a breath of fresh air here at Utah State. And, uh, you know, no disrespect to Gary Anderson, but I think Gary was at a point in his career where he kind of felt like things were probably winding down. And you could tell when uh, last year in the middle of the season, he decided to step away from the uh, Utah State program. This was a team that this was the year that they were supposed to be really, really good. I think for the last few years, we've been pointing to this season. Uh, and recruiting just didn't quite pan out the way that a lot of people had hoped. Uh, a 
and attrition from the program had certainly hurt this team. And so they're building from the ground up. This is a great staff, uh, great excitement, great energy, uh, great focus. Uh, they've re-energized uh, the recruiting. Uh, they brought in a ton of P5 transfers through the transfer portal to try to boost the talent level on this team. And so there's a, it's, it's, it's been an exciting time here at Utah State as it feels like things are starting to turn back in the right direction. You mentioned those Power 5 transfers. That's awesome. And then, of course, Arkansas State guys who have followed Coach Anderson to Logan. You talk about uh, Logan Bonner at quarterback, perhaps the guy to beat there. We'll see. And then uh, Justin Rice on the defensive side. Are those guys expected to start and have a massive impact? Uh, Justin Rice certainly is going to be the most dynamic defensive player on this team as of right now. Uh, Last year at this time was the Mount West Conference preseason defensive player of the year for Fresno State. And then the Mountain West decided they weren't going to play football. So he jumps to Arkansas State so he can play a season. And then um, the Mountain West does decide to play. So he ends up traveling back to uh, the Mountain West with Blake Anderson. So an interesting trip for him. But he's a dynamic, awesome player. Uh, He'll be great for this defense. On the offensive side, frankly, I know that they'll say they'll have a competition. uh, But I'd be really, really surprised if Logan Bonner is not the starter at quarterback for week one. I anticipate they'll make that announcement pretty quick in fall camp. Uh, because he seems like he's the guy they trust him with this offense. He's ran this offense. So I would be shocked if he's not your week one starter. Who is the best player on Utah State's football roster right now? I think I know the answer because the Aggies feature one of the most dynamic playmakers in the return game, but maybe your opinion is different. So who's the best player right now? Well, you're leading to Devin Tompkins, Savon Scarver. Uh, I think those are your two offensive players. Savon Scarver is great. Uh, in the return game and is a, you know, all American on the return side and has done dramatic things. He needs to be better as a wide receiver. He just can't be a return man. He's got to be a better uh, wide receiver and help out this team. And that's his focus. And I think that's what they're really working with him. Devin Tompkins is probably your most all around dynamic offensive player, but honestly, let's go back to Justin Rice. I probably think he's your best player that will have the biggest impact on his uh, on that on that side of the ball than anybody else for Utah State this year. What are the expectations in year one? Is it uh, approximate a bowl, go to a bowl, and then build from there? And and how long will fans and Logan give uh, Anderson and his staff to kind of be competitive in the Mountain West? Well, this is as far as the Mountain West Conference rotation schedule goes. This is the easiest schedule that they'll have in their four year rotation. Uh, They get uh, Wyoming at home, Colorado State at home, Boise at home. Uh, They drop off Fresno State, San Diego State, Nevada. So you don't have to play those three teams. And you pick up Hawaii, uh, you pick up UNLV, and you pick up San Jose State, who shockingly is now good again. Uh, But overall, this is an easier schedule. You only play, your only P5 team is Washington State on the road. They have New Mexico State and an FCS opponent. So honestly, even though there's a lot of gloom and doom around the Utah State program, the schedule, if they can get some consistent play out of the quarterback uh, spot and defensively, if they can improve, uh, I don't think six and six is out of the question here. I think a bowl game is a realistic expectation for this team this year. Scott Gerard, the voice of the Utah State Aggies with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU and Utah State is always a fun buildup to that rivalry game, Friday Night Lights. Uh, it's been a thing that's been happening for a while how would you define the state of the rivalry from the Aggie fan perspective as they look at BYU? Well, I think if you're an Aggie fan, you're a little disappointed because over, uh, you know, Utah State won, you know, back-to-back games um, for the first time in forever. And it kind of felt like things had evened up a little bit. Uh, But over the last 
last two years, obviously it's swung right back to BYU's favor. BYU's been the most dominant team easily. And frankly, had they played last year, it probably would have been really ugly considering what BYU had and what Utah State was going through. So, you know, you could kind of pencil in potentially three, three straight losses to BYU. So, yeah, BYU's certainly got the upper hand. Utah State fans are probably a little salty about it. Uh, but, but I think that uh, Utah State's proven that in, you know, if they can recruit well, if they can, uh, if they can, uh, you know, build up the talent level that they can compete. I think Matt Wells and that previous staff proved that, you know, you can compete with BYU. You're not going to win every single game and you're not going to win, you know, four out of five or four out of six. But if you can keep it as close to a 50-50 split, that's a huge success for Utah State, considering how the imbalance of power has been over the last, you know, 20 years between these two teams. Scott, let's take a victory lap mutually together. Sam Merrill and Elijah Bryant, NBA <laughs> champs. There you go. Top there two. You go. Highest paid inside linebackers in the game, Fred Warner and Bobby Wagner. Hey, they, there's a little thing going on right now with BYU and Utah State. That's what I'm saying. It's look, let's, uh, you know, who needs the Big 12? Let's uh, let's let two of these guys pair off, form their own conference, and they'll be the foundations of uh, whatever they want to build. Let's go. That's, it's, the, uh, it's the conference of the pros, for sure. The Rocky Mountain States Conference should come back when we were all together. Yes. We like the Colorado School of Mines. In the Colorado School of Teachers or whatever <laughs> in the 30s. Let's bring it back, baby. Let's go. Scott, great to catch up with you, man. Uh, safe travels back from Denver. We'll talk more music and football soon. Thanks. Love it. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Scott Gerard, voice of Utah State football He's, on BYU Sports. I Nation. love Scott. He's great. Scott and Hans, they're fantastic. But, yeah, this, like, there's this Utah State BYU thing going on. The last, you know, week. Yes. Yes. Great. Celebrate good times. We would not do the this peak. with Utah. But our brethren in blue are welcome here. Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be right back. And gaze four years into the future with college football realignment and expansion almost assuredly now on the near horizon, led off by the domino of Texas and Oklahoma's departure from the Big 12. I present you the following question, Jerem. Where will BYU end up in 2025. We hope expansion happens. Realignment feels like it's happening, right? Um, but, well, it's definitely happening. But expansion, I hope, happens. Expansion is that someone from the outside is let in. And if so, hopefully BYU's in that. Um, some interesting comments coming out this morning from uh, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov about um, the Pac-12 stance. Uh, one notable comment, we do not think expansion is required to continue to compete and thrive. You're the Pac-12. You've been pretty irrelevant. I feel like you need something different. Um, They're stuck in a bad TV deal until 2024, and then they'll reassess. And I, Okay, the other thing that came up, um, a team does not need AAU accreditation. That's like, hey, we're an officially recognized research institution by this group. That's not AAU like high school basketball. Utah didn't have this when they went in 2011, but this has sort of been a thing with BYU and the Pac-12 of like, well, there are multiple reasons why BYU is not in the Pac-12. Sort of discussed and understood, not formally and out loud, but one is, ah, BYU is not a research institution by AEU. Well, that doesn't matter now. So it's obviously religious. There's no religious school in the Pac-12. TCU is going to encounter this too. If TCU wanted to be in the Pac-12, maybe they have the same issue, being a religious school. Although they asked to not be named Texas Christian, they want to be TCU from a branding standpoint. So it's like, oh, so it's BYU's religion that's holding BYU up from the Pac-12? And then previously the Big 12 invite 
LGBTQ plus concerns were brought up in the conversation. That's obviously tied to the religion and certain policies and whatnot there. So it's interesting. I, in 2025, where will BYU be? Yeah. It's either Indy or New League. That's what it feels like. I don't know that BYU will be in the traditional uh, you know, Pac-12 expanded or something else. It doesn't feel like BYU would ever be in the Big Ten SEC or ACC. It's just that feels weird. So I'm thinking Indy still or that some kind of new league, maybe a- AAC. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. We're going to watch this nuclear bomb go off, and then when the dust settles, we'll go, okay, now what? I looked into my crystal ball this morning. You have a crystal ball? No, not really. Oh, okay. But I looked deep into my own mind, Jeremy, and thought, okay, let's think about everything we have experienced in the history of BYU Sports Nation over eight years, every summer going through conference expansion, realignment, rumors, Big 12, the dog and pony show that that was back in 2016. Tom Holmos comments to us recently in the Decade of Independence Review Show. And it feels like to me, even though it's a little bit hazy, it feels like to me BYU will be in a conference in 2025. Independence will not be a thing for BYU in 2025. I think they will be in a conference. As you said, hard to know which conference, if it's a newly formed conference with leftovers from the Big 12, leftovers potentially from the Pac-12, maybe. I it could be a new conference for BYU, but I think they will be in a conference in 2025. The independence thing has been fun. I don't see it Has going it? longer than 12 to 14 years. It, I think BYU needs to be in a conference again. They they went out. They did their thing. They had a great 2020 season. It was fun. They became a national media darling. Uh, I, I feel like that they have accomplished what they needed to do in independence, and they can position for access and exposure to a degree within a conference by 2025. I I wouldn't mind a brand-new conference. And the thing is, when you were talking about the Pac-12, you have to know that with USC's very public displeasure with the Pac-12 leadership, are they not the first call for the Big Ten commissioner or even Greg Sankey in the SEC saying, hey, we want to make a mega conference, or we want to make this even crazier. Uh, why don't USC, you convince Oregon and Stanford and the other top-tier teams in the Pac-12 to jump ship, and we'll figure something out. Yeah, if, if there's if too I'm, much too much money to be made with teams and programs that that hold that value. USC being the leader on the West Coast, so yeah. I don't think that the Pac-12 is safe from this. The Big Twelve certainly is in peril. If they're not safe, they need to expand to strengthen Ex- their exactly. Spot. But who are they going to expand with and gain value? Who's the Pac-12 going to poach and add value? Nobody. It's only Notre Dame. Like it's only Notre Dame, and they're not going west. So Notre yeah. Dame to the Big Ten has always made sense. They don't want it, though. They want to stay indie. They love it. I mean, with the Big 12, with the likes of, and I don't know, TCU and, and Baylor and maybe uh, Texas Tech or Oklahoma State, would that add value to the Pac-12? Does that make any sense at all? No one adds value at the end. No one adds value but Notre Dame. So it's not necessarily about adding value. It's about just being the best you can be against what will form on the other side. It's like risk. You're turning in your cards. You know The armies are stacking up. It's like, well, you have to respond because guess what? Someone's bursting in from Morocco into Brazil, and you've been holding South America and North America and getting like eight around, and you're about to turn in cards. Okay. The SEC is about to turn in cards. 
with Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, so where does BYU fit in this? I don't know. It feels like, yes, the landscape could change dramatically, and then BYU takes advantage. Will a power league matter in the future like it matters now? It will always matter, but will it matter less? So the SEC is already the power and is getting stronger. The Big Ten wants to keep up. What are they going to do? What's, what's the arm race going to look like? Uh, you know, this is the Cuban Missile Crisis, but you know, yes, someone's actually doing something. Yeah. Um, so who, who's going to do what? I, I don't know, but it is interesting because I think BYU is in a comfortable place to just sort of see what happens. But also, don't, don't kid yourself. Tom Homel, and, and we learned a lot the last month, month and a half talking to Tom, on Media Day and for the Independent Special. Watch that Independent Special, by the way. That interview with Tom. Uh, go to YouTube and check it out. Really interesting yes. about the future. Yes, that's why I feel like he's going to find the right things. fit for BYU. That's he's, why I feel like they'll be in a conference. He said there are windows of opportunity, and one is sort of opening and closing at, at this moment. So we'll see what BYU does. Like, if, you, if we fast-forward to 2025 and go back and watch this, we're probably going to look Silly, because we don't know how it's actually going to play out. But, yes, I, if BYU is still indie, something went wrong. Yes. Because, because why wouldn't at so, BYU is not independent forever. I don't think BYU is independent forever. Unless independence becomes cool. Like, all of a sudden, USC goes indie. The trend. And someone else goes indie. And it's like, okay, we're not alone in this. Um, of No, we're going to have our own TV deal, and we'll just kind of we'll do this. But it is fun to play in a league. It's fun to have that. I've always wanted BYU to be in the Pac-12. I thought that would be so fun. And there'd be so many BYU fans on the West Coast showing up all the time. Da, da, da. So we'll see what happens, man. It's, it's hard to know. But it's like kind of exciting, but also a little nerve-wracking of, I don't want BYU not to be invited to s- somewhere. Of note, LA Times Super Conference uh, mock draft featured Bill Plaschke, <laughs> and he chose BYU as his 30th overall pick. His eighth pick specifically, 30th overall, the first non-Power 5 team chosen, and the Cougars were chosen prior to Virginia Tech, South Carolina, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Utah. Now, does he agree with Paul Feinbaum who said, victory. along with Notre Dame, there's only one other team that really adds value to a Power 5 conference, and that's BYU. Which, and those they don't are- add money value, per se. They add like general value, but so does a bunch of the Big 12 teams. Yeah, well, tough to know. I mean, what what is the monetary value? No, we know they would if they added that much value, they would have been invited already. Well, it's it's as you said, it's a lot more complicated than that. I don't think if it was just value based and BYU was not tied to a deep right. religious past, then, then Val- I think and, they would have and been. Value invited. is too general of a explanation. It's just talking financial. I think BYU. Yeah, they, they, don't, they, they don't necessarily add. They help, like keep it the same. Maybe they don't add. I don't think. Okay. So Otherwise, they, they BYU maintain, would. They maintain at least, perhaps. But again, they would have been invited if it was that big of a deal, I think. Yeah. If the value was, yeah, if the money was the most important thing. In 2016, they would have taken BYU if it was that big of a deal. <sighs> but it wasn't, really, so they didn't. Really, I just think there are too many sociopolitical issues going on in 2016 that, that and 2020. overwhelm the financial benefit. So I just think it's bigger than that, yeah, with BYU. You, as you've said, our high-maintenance partner. High-maintenance. It's become less high-maintenance. <laughs> Unless we're just comfortable being alone here. Okay, we want you to gaze into your crystal ball at home and answer today's social media brain buster, our question of the day. Where do you see BYU ending up in 2025? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation 
on BYU Sports Nation. At the Hutch Bunch on Twitter answers, BYU is such a unique place with different but good priorities that it will be difficult to find a good conference to fit into. I would absolutely like to see the Cougs in a Power 5, but being honest, I believe BYU will still be independent in four years. I, see, I just don't think, I think that independence will have run its course by then. It might not be a Power 5 conference, but I think BYU and Tom Holm will want to get back into a conference, and this is the window of opportunity that you referenced that it needs to happen now. It's got to happen in the next two or three years for BYU to be back in a conference, whether that's Power 5 or not. And if it's not a Power 5, where are you joining that league? Um, what changed? Um, did you give in and say, well, this didn't work, or priorities changed? Like, what, yeah, what happened? Uh, because it feels like BYU could join the AAC today if they wanted, but they don't want to. Who knows? It feels like they could. It feels a lot like they could. Okay. Talk, talking but, but, to, who knows now? Yeah. Like, who knows now with yeah. the AAC positioning to potentially want to take Big 12 leftovers. Saw a big article about they, how the AAC wants to be, go to 16 teams and they want to invite a bunch of the Big 12 leftovers. They might be plucked from. Who knows? Like, if this new league forms that we're talking about, who's in the league? You'd think that some AAC members might want that. Who knows? Yeah. It's crazy right now, which is great for content on July 27th when you do an hour lunch show. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in now the play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris, joining us over Zoom. And John, you noticed as we went to break, we were showing highlights from that 1984 Baylor at BYU game during BYU's perfect season. What we didn't show is BYU losing at Baylor to open up the 1983 season in a great game. Do you remember those games? I, I do. And number one, I appreciate you having me on. That's great. And I have uh, very fond memories of both those games. 83 was here in Waco. It was a great game. It's one of the best games I've ever seen. And Baylor beat Steve Young and BYU went down to the last second. Coach Grant Taff, it was Coach Taff and Coach Lavelle Edwards, you know, who were very, very good friends for many, many years. And it was it was a big deal. I remember that with BYU coming to Waco. It was a big game, and that was a big win for Baylor. And then BYU won the game uh, back in Provo that you showed some highlights of in '84. John, Steve is still bothered by that loss. Like, <laughs> like we know this. We talked. We've talked to him, and he we talked about that '83 team in a show, and he was like, "Ah, oh, that one loss, man." And everyone thinks he won the national championship. That doesn't, you know. Anyway, so he's still thinking about that Baylor loss. Let's talk about what's yeah. going on in Big Twelve country. Obviously, the talk of college football is Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, they they want to go to the SEC. They're going to leave uh, no later than 2025. Although, if you get divorced and live in the same house, that's a little weird. So we'll see when they actually go. What's it like in Big 12 country as the rest of the other eight teams try and navigate what's next? Well, as you might expect, uh, a lot of uncertainty right now, and and I hate it too. I mean, I, I like the rivalries and the tradition and the history we have, especially with Texas. I mean, that goes back to Southwest Conference days, and, and really some of the greatest uh, wins in Baylor history in all sports have been against the University of Texas, and that's a compliment to them because it's a big game. It's a big deal, you know, if you beat Texas. 
And then in more recent years, Oklahoma is part of the Big 12. Uh, 2011, Robert Griffin's Heisman Trophy moment was against Oklahoma, uh, a thrilling 45-38 win. So great, uh, uh, again, rivalry tradition with these teams, and I hate to see them go. But, uh, you know, I guess that's the world we live in these days. If you get a better offer, if you have another opportunity that you view as better, you know, you're going to go for the money. John Morris, the play-by-play voice of Baylor Bears football, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's fast forward to 2025. Yesterday we were trying to look into our crystal ball here in Studio B. John, what do you see the Big 12 trying to do with the pending departure of Oklahoma and Texas out there? Well, you know, I appreciate the question, but understand this is above my pay grade. I'm not <laughs> I'm not in those meetings. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. But uh, number one, in my personal opinion, I don't think it'll drag out till 2025. Like you said, you know, if you, if you get a divorce, you're not going to stay uh, in the same house with that person for four more years. So we'll see how that plays out. But I would say this, I, I think the Big 12's number one goal is to preserve the league in some form. Uh, You know, we got eight schools right now, eight very good schools and very good athletic programs. Who can we add? Who maybe from Provo, Utah, who could we add, you know, that would be a plus, a benefit? Now, it's going to be hard to find schools, you know, the stature of Texas and Oklahoma. But, you know, these days it's like uh, there's no rules, you know name a school. All right, go after them. Things like that might be happening. So I think that's the number one goal is to preserve the Big 12 and add some schools to get us back to uh, 10 or hopefully 12. I think the number should be 12. Uh, You know, the second option is to me not that great. It's uh, every school splintering off, ending up, uh, you know, in, in other conferences, and then we all go our separate ways. But you know, again, nothing is uh, off the table right now. I think there's a lot of options available out there. Is there any uh, hesitation or uh, anxiousness associated with perhaps being left behind and not being able to get into another league? Or is there confidence that, okay, if if the Big 12 didn't work out, I hope, like you, the Big 12 stays together, then, you know, hey, we'll be okay. Yeah, from a Baylor perspective? Yes. Yeah. No, I, I think we will be okay. You know, I, I trust our leadership. President Linda Livingstone is right in the middle of this. Mac Rhodes, our athletic director, unfortunately has been through things like this before, but they have experience and I really trust our leadership here. And I think that uh, they in their positions and Baylor, uh, which has positioned itself very well, you know, with their success uh, of Baylor athletics the last few years, I think we positioned ourselves in a, a really good spot, uh, you know, if if uh, we have to move on somewhere else, I think Baylor would be uh, on the inside more than on the outside looking in. Okay, let's talk about BYU and the potential fit of the Cougars in a Big 12 that now has eight remaining teams. What would be working against BYU for the Big 12 to invite the Cougars? Because we've laid out all the positives. We're obviously spinning it forward, trying to make BYU as attractive an option as possible. What would work against BYU? Uh, Again, above my pay grade, but uh, I don't see anything. You know, I I have thought for a long time that, uh, that BYU would be a great addition to our league, even before any of this talk and even before, you know, the last talk when we lost A&M, when we lost, uh, 
you know, Colorado lost Nebraska, uh, Missouri, when those schools were leaving, even before that, I thought BYU would be a great addition to the big 12 conference. You guys were talking last segment about geography and about TV uh, markets and things like that. Uh, Tell me if you agree with this. I think geography is not a factor these days. You used to think about your league and your footprint, you know, and who are the schools in that footprint. Now I think it's the opposite. I think you look outside your footprint. You look to add, if you're going to add schools, you look to add schools in a different part of the country, a different TV market that can bring in different viewers, um, you know, in different parts of the country. Uh, so BYU, you know, checks that box uh, very nicely uh, in Provo there. So to answer your question, I, I don't see any negatives at all. I would love uh, the opportunity. We've been there a couple of times for games, loved our trips there. And uh, I think you and your fans, you'd love coming to Waco. I think it'd be great. Uh, Magnolia Way, right? Uh, you know, I, every Utah, uh, you know, housewife has that book. So <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, let, can we rewind back to when the Big 12 was formed? There, I want to clarify something because I haven't, I haven't heard, and perhaps you can shed some light on this or not, whatever. Um, BYU fans are like, shoot, Ann Richards was a Baylor grad. She was a Texas governor. BYU had a chance to get in the, the original Big 12. They didn't. Baylor got in. Is there any truth to that? BYU fans have always wondered that for a long time. I uh, can't speak to that. Again, I wasn't in those meetings, uh, and TCU folks felt the same way. TCU felt like Baylor got, uh, Baylor got their spot in the Big 12 Conference. You know, I, I really don't know. I mean, we had, we had we being Baylor, had some really good political clout in Austin at the time. You mentioned Ann Richards. Bob Bullock uh, was probably more powerful even than Ann Richards as lieutenant governor, and uh, I think that helped. We had some key uh, uh, representatives in Austin that were going to make sure that Baylor was included in a new league, and that happened to be the Big 12. So I don't know about BYU getting uh, you know shut out by Baylor. I don't know about that. But from a Baylor perspective, uh, it, it's been great. From the Southwest Conference, hated to see that end, and then move into the Big 12 and those new relationships, new rivalries in the Big 12. It's been really good from a Baylor perspective. Listen, that's all great. We'd be fine if BYU got invited the second time around. <laughs> that would Come be great. On. That Come would on. be great. John Morris is on BYU Sports Station, the play-by-play voice for Baylor Bears football. Let's talk about this year's matchup. BYU's headed to Waco in mid-October for a game against the Bears, and preseason polls just came out. So what, in your mind, are realistic expectations for uh, a Baylor program that's still trying to find its footing after losing head coach Matt Rule. Well, keep in mind, uh, Dave Aranda is our new head coach from uh, LSU. was part of that national championship team two years ago as the defensive coordinator. And then Dave came here. His first year was last year, uh, his first year at Baylor, and his first year as a head coach anywhere. And I, it's just unfair, you know, that that was his first year with the COVID protocols, with no spring practice for Baylor. I mean, he was getting to know his players over Zoom, couldn't even meet face-to-face with them. Uh, one of Dave's uh, real strengths is relationships, and he couldn't even meet with the parents of the players, couldn't do that in person. So factor all that in, and then all the COVID protocols, and then just the coaching transition. And Baylor was 2-7 and seven last year, but, but I think you really put an asterisk by that. And I, I think this year you'll get a much better barometer of uh, Coach Aranda and his uh, ability as a head coach. They've had a 
full off season. They had a spring. They're starting practice next week, August 6th is the first full day of practice. So I think we'll see a much better um, uh, sampling of uh, Coach Aranda and his ability to be a head coach. And then, you know, the coaching changes that he made also, you guys know about that, bringing in Jeff Grimes as our offensive coordinator. What a terrific that move, move that was, bringing him to Baylor. And Eric Mateos as our offensive line coach. Think about this, Coach Coach Aranda went through his first year, a COVID year, yet he still didn't hesitate and made coaching changes. Everybody on the uh, offensive staff except one person is new this year. So he saw a need for change there, a need for improvement. And what great additions Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos are to this Baylor staff. Yeah, yeah you're going to love them. And does Jeff still have a mustache? Uh, let's see, you know, he had hip surgery. Do you know that? No, didn't know that. Yeah. First, last time I saw him, he was walking around on crutches, two crutches. I saw him a week later, he was down to one crutch and he said, we're, mo- we're going the right direction. So, uh, <laughs> he was a little, let me say he was a little scruffy when I saw him. I okay. mean, there, there weren't many people, <laughs> many of our coaches in the office when I saw him last. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, one last thing, Charlie Brewer's probably going to be the starting quarterback for Utah. BYU's lost nine in a row to Utah. So what does BYU need to do to slow down Charlie Brewer in Utah? Can you give us the secret? <laughs> it's a scouting report on Charlie Brewer. Number one, I love Charlie Brewer. I, uh, you know, He had a fantastic career here and then wanted to finish up with one year somewhere else. So I wish him nothing but the best. Leaves us in an interesting situation. I mean, we've got three guys who've never started battling for the quarterback position, but I think that'll work itself out. But Charlie is just a gamer. You know, he's a guy that will find a way to win. Uh, If it's on his legs, if it's on his arm, if it's uh, him just making the right call, you know, from the line of scrimmage, Charlie will find a way to win. So I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, and I hope he does well at Utah. I don't know about the game Utah and BYU <laughs> this year, but I hope Charlie does well. He's uh, he's just flat out a winner. You're not giving me a lot of confidence here, John. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we appreciate the time. That's my scouting report, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Great to talk with you. Can't wait to visit Waco in mid-October, and we'll see you then. Hope you guys make it over here. That'll be fun. And to answer your question about the uh, ticket sales for yes. that game, that is homecoming. And homecoming is a, a big deal at Baylor. I know a lot of schools it's really not, but that's a big deal at Baylor. So that's why that one game does have the asterisk. Okay. I, I'd, I'd rather just stick to the fact that it's BYU. BYU fans okay? love to put on the line and go, look well. how special let's, we are. Uh, let's not let get details get in the way of a good story. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come see us for homecoming. You got it. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys. John Morris with us on BYU Sports Nation. Listen, this place is special. It's so awesome. But sometimes we put on the blinders and ignore reality. We really do. No, no, no. It's because BYU special, Jared. Yes. It has nothing to do with Baylor. It has nothing to do with legendary homecoming. <laughs> Still, sell it out, BYU fans. Be heard in Waco. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Speaking of 10, Jerem. Oh, nice. It's the latest 10 and 10, the top 10 defenses BYU football will face in 2021. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. Educate the people, Jerem. 
But first, 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jeremy, 10 and 10. Okay, top 10 defenses not mentioned Idaho State and South Florida. Don't at me. Utah State is number 10. New coordinator (laughs) Ephraim Banda switching to a 4-3, nine returning starters that allowed 485 yards, 34 points a game last year. It was bad. 16 sacks was nice, but only two picks. 11th worst defense by yardage. Four all-league players look to right the ship. Justin Rice, all-sunbelt linebacker formerly at San Jose State, then Arkansas State last year for a year. Transfer in to help boost the unit. Okay, I just can't believe South Florida's worse than Utah State after what you presented. Yikes. Oh, yeah, they're bad. Number nine, Washington State. Analyzing Wazoo's great defense might be like discussing Utah's Pac-12 titles. It doesn't exist. Ten returning starters. Gave up 38 a game last year. Jake Dickert ran the old 4-2-5. It didn't work well. Gave up 10-plus yards on 29% of plays, second worst in the country. But there's some all-conference talent uh, at all three levels. Suddenly I'm feeling really good about BYU's chances in Pullman. You got to outscore. Number eight, Arizona. New defensive coordinator Don Brown comes from Michigan, where the Wolverines were a perennial top 25 defense. In fact, in 2016, were number two in the country. He's nicknamed Dr. Blitz. If only he had Michigan players to work with. Nine returning starters from a team that gave up almost 40 again last year. Yikes, yeah. Uh, if he had Michigan players, BYU would probably be in trouble. Just rewinding <laughs> They the were 2015. in 2015. Woo! BYU crossed the 50 once. That was cool. Number seven, Baylor. Dave Aranda is the defensive head coach. Baylor, not known for its defense, though, has 10 starters back from a team that had 16 takeaways last year. Gave up 7.1 yards per attempt passing, top 50 nationally. Terrell Bernard and Jalen Pitry will be good players on that side of the ball. Will Jeff Grimes' offense eliminate the need for Baylor's defense to need to be good? Mm. They need to have a quarterback to outscore BYU, and we just learned that they've got a little quarterback debate going you on. didn't just learn that. I did a 10-10 and 10 quarterback. That's true, you did. Number Wait, six. I was off that show. I'm sorry I didn't watch it. Oh, that's true. Okay, you're forgiven. Forgiven. I was forgiven. Number six, Virginia. Nick Howe and Kelly Papinga lead this group. Six returning starters. Gave up 30 a game. Red zone defense was good, pretty good at 79%. Bottom 30 in total defense, however. Perhaps those five new starters will help with that. Where is a Brandon Ogletree and a Lonnie Fool when you need one? Nick Jackson had 105 tackles in 10 games last year. Virginia's always going to have a disciplined, hard-nosed defense. That's what Bronco Mendenhall does. Yes. They are not quite the defenses that BYU was. Here. Number five, Boise State. New head coach Andy Avalos was the defensive coordinator at Oregon before taking over as head coach in Boise. So you know that side of the ball will be solid. Ezekiel Noah and Riley Wimpy are studs at linebacker. Broncos gave up 30-plus in four of seven games, including 51 to BYU, although BYU was a top-10 offense. 5.3 yards for play allowed was 30th in FBS in 2020. Listen, I'm not that worried because Boise State hasn't beaten a BYU team in Provo when the Cougars have finished with a winning record. So congratulations, Rain Boise. Up. You discovered that yesterday. You've beaten Boise in Provo, or you beaten BYU in Provo when the teams went 4-8 and eight and 4-9. and nine. <laughs> We don't think BYU's doing that. Number four, Georgia Southern. Scott Sloan has eight dudes back from a team that gave up 33 a game, only 326 yards because triple option on offense. 14th in total defense, number one in interceptions with 18. Derek Canteen had six himself with 10 PBUs. They shaved a full yard off the 2019 average of yards per play. Fourth best improvement in the country. So limited offensive opportunities, but they take the ball away. Yeah, this is the shocker for me. Georgia Southern at number four. How much of their defense is set up by ball control from the offense? Yes. Yet, again, 18 picks was excellent. It's impressive. Number three, Arizona State. Former NFL player Antonio Pierce calls the shots for a group that had 13 takeaways and nine sacks in four games. That was crazy. 34 takeaways in the past 11 games. That's highest in FBS over that span. Quarterback Chase Lucas, defensive end Tyler Johnson, are the studs. 
incredibly, Arizona State has one Rose Bowl win in the last 50 years. <laughs> yes, 34 takeaways in 11 games. Incredible. I, I know. Number I two, USC. Todd Orlando, former Utah State D.C., is the guy. Vic Soto coaches the D-line, former Cougar defensive lineman, tight end. 26 points allowed in eight games, 370 yards a game last year. Good numbers. Drake Jackson is the real deal on the line. 3.2 yards per carry allowed as a defense. Two and a half sacks a game. Jeremy, I was really hoping that USC would show up number one on this list. <laughs> <laughs> and the number one defense BYU will face in 2021 is Utah. Morgan Scally has this group rocking and rolling. Bill Riley, the voice of youth, told us coaches think linebacker Devin Lloyd might be the best in program history. Wow. Nine returning starters from a team that gave up 26 a game in five games. Utah's defense is always amazing. That's what they do. It just, it just is. So does BYU need a game manager quarterback to start and not turn the ball over against that defense to give themselves the best chance to win that game? So Baylor? Insert Baylor Romney doesn't turn the ball over. Well, we don't know that Jaron turns the ball over. It's true. You, we don't know Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, he hasn't really stayed in the game long enough for us to figure yes. that out. Yes. Let's have Jaron Hall start a bunch of games. To be honest. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We continue our opponent previews for BYU football in the 2021 season as we center now in on Boise State. And to do so, we are joined by Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press and host of the Blue Turf Sports Podcast. His name is BJ Rains. BJ, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, Boise State Twitter was fired up yesterday when it was discovered that ESPN has Andy Avalos a, as a former BYU linebacker, BJ. Uh, where does Coach Avalos rank among the former BYU linebacker greats? Yeah, I think uh, Boise State fans were wondering who at ESPN works for BYU or something to uh, switch, switch that around. It was kind of like the Wikipedia pages that get updated with random info sometimes. But, uh, yeah, there was a, a fun little thing about that. And of all the switches to make, the, the new head coach, and, of course, it had to be BYU. That that certainly riled some folks up yesterday. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Okay, let's talk about Andy Avalos and uh, what is expected. Obviously, a former uh, you know player and assistant coach has been the D.C. at Oregon. He's back now. Takes over for Brian Harson, who goes to Auburn takes the money we know Bronco Mendenhall did it at Virginia we've been there what's the expectation can he keep up what Boise State's been doing which is compete at a national level at a really high level well, the last two coaches they had the first year, they won the Fiesta Bowl. Chris Peterson uh, there in 2006, Brian Harson in 2014. So fans are wanting nothing less than getting back to a New Year's Six Bowl game and winning it right off the bat. I mean, certainly they're the favorites in the Mountain West. Uh, there's some good teams in the West Division in terms of Nevada and, and San Jose State, but they're the pick in the Mountain Division. And um, I think they, they want them to you know not only pick up where they left off, but maybe even have more success. I mean, I think some fans were even a little disappointed in terms of the conference championships. They lost in the championship game last year they lost at home to fresno state a couple years ago didn't even qualify one of the years so i think some people actually think there's another level to reach and so he was the obvious pick uh he was right right from the start he was the obvious pick he played there he was a longtime assistant coach there was only gone for two years so still knows like half the roster so uh he was the obvious pick and uh, i think it was a great choice and and uh, i think fans are fired up and i think it's been a nice fresh you know breath of fresh air for media fans uh, everybody around the program there's there's a real new sense of energy heading into the season 
What's the relationship like between Boise State and the Mountain West Conference, given all of the uncertainty that's happening with conference realignment and expansion potentially out there in the near future? Well, I just talked to Craig Thompson, the Mountain West Commissioner down in Las Vegas at Mountain West Media Days, and he said he understands it. He said he's had numerous uh, heart-to-heart uh, conversations with the President, Dr. Marlene Trump, and and the AD, Jeremiah Dickey, and he understands their their uh, perspective. He said that he would do the same thing, as should the other 11 teams in the league. You're always looking to see what's out there and see if there's a better opportunity for you. Craig Thompson believes that opportunity, you know, the best opportunity right now for Boise State is in the Mountain West. That obviously could change based on conference realignment and all that stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But, um, you know, the emails and things that I had uncovered uh, at our paper um, about uh, Boise State looking to leave and Brian Harson being very unhappy and all that. That was obviously a big story at the time. But, um, you know, where they took some shots at Craig Thompson and his leadership. But, you know, Brian Harson's moved on and and uh, it's a fairly new president, and a new athletic director. So a lot of leadership changes at Boise State in the last couple of years, you know, even with Avalos. So I think that um, the relationship is fine. I think Boise State is happy to be in the Mountain West. But certainly uh, what's happened the last week or so, uh, you know, may have altered what their future ends up being in the next couple of years. Certainly BYU can empathize with Boise State in feeling like, hey, we're one of the premier programs in this league, if not the premier program. We would like different treatment. Hey, that relationship didn't work out. BYU divorced the Mountain West. So listen, BYU fans, BYU gets it, what Boise State has gone through and is going through. So to your point, it feels like at some point, Boise State's a really good candidate for expansion should have come to that. BYU obviously feels like it is as well. Do you feel like these two teams in the next couple of years are going to be in a different league? I, I, it's tough to say. I'll, I'll say this. The, the, the Mountain West is not going to have the same 12 teams it does now, uh, two years from now. I feel pretty confident saying that, whether they add teams or teams leave. I certainly think this is the opportunity for Boise State. And I'll say this. The new athletic director, Jeremiah Dickey, and his six months on the job has already been pretty bold in terms of making uh, some decisions and, and thinking outside the box a little bit. He was willing to move two basketball games to like a 5,000-seat arena in a different county uh, out in Nampa just so they could have fans at one point. And that, that riled up some people. I mean, He's, he's willing to kind of do whatever it, it takes. And so I, I do think he's the right athletic director for Boise State. He actually came from Baylor, where he was the number two AD at Baylor for three years. So I think that his ties to the Big 12 certainly come into play here. And um, it, it's just very you know interesting because I just think Boise State doesn't have a baseball team. They had one for like six months, and then it went away again last year. That's going to hurt them when it comes to expansion. Their academics aren't maybe as high as uh, the Pac-12 and some of these conferences would like to see in terms of a law school and uh, some of the doctoral things that you need to have. So um, I just think that it's not a slam dunk that other schools would want them. But I think if it's going to happen, it would have to happen with BYU. I I think BYU is the perfect partner for them. I think from a travel standpoint for volleyball and soccer and some of the other leagues, uh, you can partner up uh, for the road trips. So uh, the West Virginias of the world or or all the teams traveling out West wouldn't just come all the way for one game. So I think there's a lot to be done, but I think a BYU-Boise State, you know, marriage and a a package deal would seem to make a lot of sense. Um, I just know that it has to happen for all sports you know at first Boise State was looking at the American just for football and that really wouldn't work because then the other sports have to get into a lower level so wherever they go Boise State wants it to be for all the sports and um, I certainly think the Big 12 is is becoming a a more of a possible option at this point. BJ Raines Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU finally beat Boise State on the blue last year and I know it was a weird COVID year The Cougars had the number two overall draft pick quarterback, Zach Wilson. That offense was rolling, and Boise State had some injuries, Hank Bachmeyer notably. 
Has something changed within the rivalry now that BYU has finally beaten Boise State on the blue? Well, I think so, and I, I had a tweet that I remember from that game where a lot of your uh, you know, fans uh, weren't very fond of it uh, in terms of excuse-making or things like that, whatever they wanted to say. But, I mean, the, the fact of the matter was Boise State played its fourth-string quarterback for the majority of that game. I mean, you mentioned Hank Bachmeyer being out. Jack Sears uh, also went out in the first quarter on a helmet-to-helmet hit and had a concussion, and so they had to play a, a true freshman fourth-string quarterback for three-fourths of that game. And so would Boise State have won? Probably not. Would the game have been more competitive and closer? Uh, I, I believe so, and a lot of Boise State fans believe so. So I think there is a bad taste in their mouth from the way that game went down. They didn't get a chance to show, uh, you know, their full strength of roster and what they can do. Again, I don't think they would have won the game, but I don't think it would have been a blowout. And so I think that does sit, you know, not well with Boise State's fans. And I think they're looking forward to it. And you remember the year before down in Provo it was the same thing. Hank Bachmeyer was out again and they had to play a backup quarterback and lost by three points. Uh, you know, and that was the only loss Boise State had that year going into the bowl game. They were 12 and one and they had a three point loss in the rain uh, at uh, BYU with a backup quarterback. So I think Boise State just feels like they haven't had a chance to be at full strength in a while, and it's shown on the field. And so um, I think they're very looking forward to this game, and they've had a tough time down in Provo, too. I think they've lost, what, three of the five down there or something like that uh, since this series started. So um, it, it's been tough down there, and I know it's going to be a, a different-looking BYU team, but I think Boise State is, um, you know, looking forward to, to hopefully being at full strength and having what they consider more of a, more of a fair shot in this one. Yeah, let's get starting quarterbacks for both teams because Baylor Romney was the third string in 2019 too. So it's like, hey, everyone just – can we have Jaron Hall or whoever BYU's going to have versus Hank Bachmeyer? That would be fun. That would be fun. Okay, let's talk about this version of Boise State like you were talking about. Obviously a new head coach in Andy Avalos. Tim Plough, a new OC. Will the offense be similar to what kind of Boise State has done the last several years? It's going to be similar and a little bit different in terms of, you know, we haven't really had a chance to see it. We've just heard about it because in the spring game, they really watered it down. Uh, they opened the season at Central Florida on the opening Thursday night, and they didn't want to ha- show anything. Uh, but they're talking about, you know, very, very fast, up-tempo, no substituting, you know, running up to the line. Um, you know, they, they talk about having multiple options on every play. That The offensive coordinator that came from UC Davis, Tim Plough, I mean, they r- routinely led the FCS and a lot of the offensive numbers and passing numbers. And he said that his uh, goal every game is hashtag half a hundred. He said he doesn't like to even look at the scoreboard until they've scored 50 points. And so that excited a lot of Boise State fans. And I know he was, you know, a little, you know, kind of just having fun when he said that. But um, that half a hundred hashtag is kind of stuck around Boise. And um, they're expecting big things from the offense. They got a lot of their key pieces back, four offensive linemen, uh, most of their skill positions. So um, the offense has a chance to be really, really good this year. And I think that's the, the part of the team that they feel best about. But defensively, they feel good as well. So I think there's a lot of reason for optimism here in Boise. Boise State football insider BJ Reigns on BYU Sports Nation. Who is Boise State's best player this season? Is it George Halani? Is it Hank Bachmeyer? Is it somebody else? I'm going to go somebody else. I'm going to go Khalil Shakir, wide receiver. He, he's got a chance to be a, uh, you know, probably not first round, but definitely second day draft pick. If things go well, he could be anywhere from the second to the fifth round. Probably when you look at mock drafts, he, he had uh, 52 catches in like seven games last year, almost 700 yards, six touchdowns. I believe he's uh, first team, all mountain West uh, receiver, and they got some pretty good receivers. So um, he's, you know, been on a lot of the, the preseason lists and even some honorable mention, all American lists last year. He's a very dynamic wide receiver. He was a four-star kid coming out of high school that picked Boise state over UCLA and a couple other schools and 
and came in right away as a true freshman and played. And um, he's back for his senior year. There was some thought he'd go to the NFL last year, but he's back for his fourth year. And, and I think he wants to have a monster season and parlay that into the NFL. And Hank Bachmeyer is from the same area as him. So that's kind of his favorite target and uh, looks for him a lot. And, and uh, he usually uh, makes that payoff worth it because he's a heck of a receiver. They give it to him in the backfield. He can run on the fly sweeps and things like that. He's even uh, takes the ball out of the wildcat and can has thrown a couple passes and trick plays. So he's kind of their Swiss army knife can do it all uh, guy at wide receiver and clearly their best receiver. And, and I think their best offensive weapon. So if, if Khalil Shear, Shakir can stay healthy, I think he has a chance to have a monster season and, and go into the NFL a year from now. BJ, great stuff. And just to be clear, you are confirming that Coach Avalos is not a former BYU linebacker, right? You know, I do have some pretty good sources, and I, I, I but I've, I've been able, I've been unable to confirm that one one hundred percent. But I do think that's probably accurate. Yes. Thanks, BJ. Great to talk with you. Yep. We'll see you October 9th, guys. Take care. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, Big 12 chaos. Uh, the college football upheaval is in full swing, it seems, Go. late July 2021. As Jerem just mentioned, Oklahoma and Texas have made it official, at least legally with that first step, that they are not going to renew their existing media grant of rights contract with the Big 12 and we think we'll seek inclusion in the SEC. Who knows if another conference tries to come in and poach them? Money talks, all these things. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. What happens to the Big 12 when their two banner holders leave that conference? And, Jerem, my question for you is, if BYU was invited to the Big 12 right now, knowing that Oklahoma and Texas and all of their notoriety are leaving, would you take it if you're BYU? Okay, so if a house was on fire, would you want to move in it today? If a car got in an accident today that totaled it, would you want to buy said title that hasn't even been rebuilt? I would submit to you no. I think the Big 12 is on fire right now. I think it'd be a weird move to uh, accept something like that. What evidence do we have that BYU will be aggressive in this situation? BYU has been passive to its benefit. Over the last 10 years. Recall the Big East uh, inviting San Diego State and Boise State and BYU, it seemed. Uh, oh, that big, that BYU lawyer is a, quote, piece of work, that whole deal. Um, I know who that guy is. He's not a piece of work. He's great. <laughs> Steve, I love you. Um, it's, it, no, it, it's, not, it's not. I would wait for the insurance company to rebuild that house and that car, and then I would consider it. Now, is BYU desperate? I would submit to you no. Not right now. I don't think BYU is desperate. I think BYU feels pretty comfortable. We need to see what happens. BYU does a nice job of like, okay, now that the dust settles, what's the best move for us? Let's not be crazy. Boise State had to pay the Big East because it was aggressive in a similar situation. Okay? Boise State never went. Maybe because BYU didn't go and it didn't work out as a sort of pairing. You sort of need like a, like a partner in this, right? Um, Utah and Colorado and, and, and so on and so forth. West Virginia and TCU to the Big 12. You kind of need a partner. So I would say no. I think that'd be weird. I think we need to see if the Big 12 is going to survive. There, there's some talk of, well, maybe the Big 12 can add some of these group of five teams. This is called expansion because what we're actually talking about with Texas and Oklahoma is realignment. In the SEC. Not expansion. Expansion means we're going to add people to the Power 5 who aren't Power 5. That would be a BYU, a Houston, a UCF, Cincinnati. Those feel like the top four candidates, perhaps – 
not in that exact order. I, so I would say no. If the Big 12 does, they'll go, hey, we need to add two or four or whatever to keep this. They may not get the 30-plus mil a year TV deal with those teams per se, but what if they get anything north of what BYU is getting? I don't know exactly what BYU is getting, but it's somewhere between 4 and $8 million, right, per year, it feels like. What if BYU could get $15 million and have uh, the power of that money? The access to the 12-team playoff is not going to matter as no. much. Nope. So, uh, and I don't know that the way B- if BYU doesn't cool in scheduling, it's not, not going to matter either. BYU is not going to be a one-loss or zero-loss team in the future. So, long answer, no. Okay. I'm looking at this. BYU's in an airplane. The storm has settled in over Big 12 country. There's thunder. There's lightning. It's all types of chaos. BYU is wise to just maintain a holding pattern. Okay, and they've got enough fuel to circle for a few years. They don't have to dive into the storm right now. I am 100% with you on that. Why throw yourselves into a precarious situation right now when you have the capability to just stay outside the storm in a holding pattern. And Tom Homo talked to us during our Decade of Independence review and made it very clear that conversations are ongoing, have been ongoing. BYU has always been open, but they've done so. I don't want to say they haven't been, they haven't been uh, aggressive in doing that, but it, it kind of just feels like they've been wise. They've just kind of been listening. I th- yes, I think BYU's been talking. The aggressive part is perceived as being taking action. BYU's not taking action in 10 years, specifically joining another league. That doesn't mean you can't prepare if the opportunity is beneficial. I, I would be shocked if BYU hasn't had conversations with the Big 12, the AAC, the whoever, about interest in the future or saying we are interested if there's an opening. You think Tom Homo hasn't told these groups, hey, if there's an opening, please talk to sure, us. Sure, talk we to us. We are very interested. Of course he has. Yes, and that con- those conversations will absolutely continue. There are a couple of things to keep in mind with the Big 12. When your banner holders leave, there are some massive financial voids and uh, TV right voids to fill. Who brings value? Who can bring value Nobody. that would somewhat alleviate the holes that Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave? Are no you, one's going to equal it. No, no one's going to equal it. And that's the th- that's why BYU's not in a power five league because so, BYU doesn't bring to a league more value. They might be bring equal value but, but who to does to uh, nobody. That's the thing. Who Except does? for Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's the only team. So Notre Dame would bring it. Paul Feinbaum of ESPN said that behind Notre Dame, BYU is the next best candidate. He cited BYU's network, for, their for worldwide ex- fan base. For expansion. Yes. For ex- so yeah, yeah. I like that BYU does have something to offer. And, and, and you no, don't have to preach to this choir. We all know. No, in yeah, no way yeah, are we going yeah. to say that BYU is going to fill a void that Texas or Oklahoma leaves. No, that's silly. Okay? Yeah. But of the teams remaining, BYU's got a case. So the Big 12 has to consider, okay, well, how can we get the most value? And do they ultimately decide that, you know what, it's just not worth it. So our other big Dogs are going to get poached. Yes. Does the Pac-12 expand? Does the Big Ten expand? Does the Does Big the Ten SEC come down and say, more? hey, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, come to the Big Ten. We'll go to 16 teams, too. The Big Ten should raid the Big 12. If I was the Big Ten, I would raid the Big 12 now, before the SEC does. Like, what teams will be left standing? Yes. It's all going to come down to, okay, what money is available? What value is available for the eight teams remaining in the Big 12? And who they can add to try and entice ESPN or Fox Sports or both to say, okay, 
We know we're not going to get as much money as we had with Oklahoma and Texas. Can but we have a good chunk? Can we still have the majority of this yes. if we add these teams? Yes. So that's a bad Power Five TV deal would still be two to four times better than what BYU. That wraps has. up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.